Well, we begin our worship this morning by singing to God's praise. We're going to sing in Psalm 25, the first version of the psalm. In the Scottish Psalter, Psalm 25, page 231. The tune is Dennis. We're going to sing from verse 1 down to verse 6. To thee I lift my soul, O Lord, I trust in thee. My God, let me not be ashamed, nor foes triumph for me. Let none that wait on thee be put to shame at all, but those that without cause transgress, let shame upon them fall. We'll sing from verse 1 to 6 to God's praise. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Let us pray. 
Our Father in heaven, as we gather in your name this day, as we come praising you, as we come offering up praise to you in song, as we come looking to you in prayer, as we come seeking to hear from you in your word, we thank you that you are a God who has remembered us, that you have remembered us in such a special and a significant way that you have sent salvation to us as we have sung. We thank you that we come in the name of Jesus today, that we come looking to him to be Lord and God of all and Lord and God for us, that we would come looking to him to trust in him with all our heart, with all our soul, and to love you as we should. And we pray and thank you, Lord, for your word that instructs us, that helps us. Your word teaches us day by day, and we thank you that all of us together here, from youngest to oldest, uh, hears from your word and help us to learn, help us to hear what you are saying to us. And as we come to the end of this year, as we come to the last day of the year, we thank you for all your goodness to us in so many ways over this year. Through all the ups and downs of life, Lord, you are faithful. You are our constant companion. And we pray, Lord, that as we look, God willing, to a new year, that we will put our hand in yours and walk with you and trust in you with all our hearts. May you guide us and help us along every step of the way. So, Lord, be near to us as we worship you this day. And uh, in all our homes and our families, Lord, we ask your blessing, your help, your strength in all the different needs that we have. We thank you, Lord, for a time of holiday. We thank you for many families uh, being together, both here and maybe some away as well. We thank you for these times that we are able to share together and to be able to share it around your word today as well is a real blessing to us. So, Lord, we thank you for everyone here, everyone uh, visiting with us, everyone tuning in online as well, wherever they may be, Lord, that you will surround us all with your love and with your grace. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord, then, and help us that we may be faithful to you in all that we do, in all that we say, and in all that we do in the days ahead as well, Lord. May we know your goodness with us and your mercy upon us. So, Lord, hear our prayers and pardon all our sin as we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before some of the younger ones go out, I'll just share a word with you. We're thinking today in our service about what it means to, to walk with God, to, to go on looking to him and, and trusting in him every day of our lives. And I hope you've had a good week this week. I hope you're enjoying your holiday and enjoy the last few days of it. And today is the last day of 2023. Tomorrow... All being well, we'll be into 2024. Another year has gone by. And when you think about a year, and you think about it in terms of numbers, there's so many numbers that you can think about in a year. You think about it as one year, and it sounds quite small in some ways. One year has passed. Or we think about it in another way. We think about it in terms of months, and we have 12 months in the year. And everybody in that period of time, I'm sure everybody's had a birthday or other different occasions over these months. Then you think about it in terms of weeks. How many weeks are there in a year? 
We've got 52 weeks in the year. Then you can break it into days and how many days there are in a year. 365 days in the year. So the numbers are getting bigger. And then you start thinking, well, we've got 365 days. Every day's got hours in it. So how many hours are there in a year? Now the numbers are starting to get quite big. 8,760 hours in a year. Now we're going to go one more. What about number of minutes in the year? A lot higher than 8,000. How many minutes are in a year? 525,600 minutes in a year. Now, we're not going to go to seconds because that will just be getting a really big, big, huge number. But you just think about all these numbers that we have from one year down to 525,600 minutes. And you break it all down into that. And the question is this. What have we done with our time? In Ephesians, the letter of the Ephesians in the New Testament in chapter 5 and verse 15, it says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. It's talking there about walking. How are we walking with God? Are we making the best use of of our time. All of the last year, and as we look ahead to another year to come, God willing, as we look back over 12 months, as we look back over 52 weeks, as we look back over 365 days, as we look back over all these numbers, and we think of them, yes, some of them are just small numbers, but we ask ourselves, have we lived every minute trusting in God? How we lived 525,600 minutes trusting in God with all our hearts. And is that what we will do as we go into a new year? If we haven't already done so, are we going to make the best use of the time? Walking with God. Not as unwise, which means we're doing silly things with our time, stupid things with our time, but as wise wise people, making the best use of our time, every minute that we have. We often say time is precious, and we are to spend it in the right way. It means looking out for others, helping others, living our lives in a good way, but above all, it means trusting God every minute, every second of every day that we will walk with him and trust in him. So may God bless these thoughts to us and be with us all as we look ahead to a new year. We're going to say now the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We're going to sing again to God's praise, this time in Psalm 57, in the Sing Psalms version. Find this on page 74 of the Psalm books. 
Psalm 57. We're going to sing from verse 1 to verse 5. The tune is Selma. Have mercy on me, Lord, to you my soul holds fast. Your covering wings will shelter me until the danger's past. I cry to God most high, to God who answers me, for he fulfills his purposes for me most perfectly. We'll sing from verse 1 to verse 5 to God's praise. We'll turn together to read in God's Word now in the Old Testament in the book of Micah. We're going to read in chapter 6. Micah chapter 6, you'll find it around page 942, towards the end of the Old Testament. Micah chapter 6, and we can read the whole of this chapter together. Micah chapter 6, from the beginning. Hear what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. 
Hear, you mountains, the indictment of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment against his people, and he will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, devised, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord, and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? The voice of the Lord cries to the city, and it is sound wisdom to fear your name. Hear of the rod and of him who appointed it. Can I forget any longer the treasures of wickedness in the house of the wicked, and the scant measure that is accursed? Shall I acquit the man with wicked scales, and with a bag of deceitful weights? Your rich men are full of violence, Your inhabitants speak lies, and their tongue is deceitful in their mouth. Therefore I strike you with a grievous blow, making you desolate because of your sins. You shall eat, but not be satisfied, and there shall be hunger within you. You shall put away, but not preserve, and what you preserve I will give to the sword. You shall sow, but not reap. You shall tread olives, but not anoint yourselves with oil. You shall tread grapes, but not drink wine. For you have kept the statutes of Omri and all the works of the house of Ahab, and you have walked in their counsels, that I may make you a desolation and your inhabitants a hissing. So you shall bear the scorn of my people. And so on. And may God bless to us that reading of his word. Let's again turn to God in prayer. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, as often as we read of your blessings in your word, the many great and wonderful promises that you have given to us that are all fulfilled in your Son, Christ Jesus, our Lord. We recognize and give thanks, Lord, for every every one of them that are precious to us as a people. And yet, O Lord, as we read your word as well in the fullness of it, we see the many promises but also the many challenges and rebukes that there are for us. The many truths that they are reminding us of the consequence of sin. The many truths that remind us of what it means, what it entails not to listen to you as you speak to us. And as we are read in your word together just now, we see so many of these things. We see the challenges and the rebukes to your people. 
But we thank you that in the midst of them, we read too of your great love towards us as a people. That you know our sins, you know our, our helplessness, you know how we cannot do anything for ourselves because our hearts are so inclined to wander away from you. We are pulled in so many different directions. We are pulled so easily away from your truth and from your ways. The things that appeal to us in this world, O Lord, can so easily take over our hearts. But help us, Lord, to find mercy with you. Help us to find renewal with you. Help us to repent as your word calls us to. Help us to turn away from our sin and to seek to walk humbly with the Lord. For we thank you for your steadfast love, your covenant love, through which we are blessed and blessed abundantly, that you are a God who loves steadfast love, that you are a God who desires it for all people, and yet so quickly, Lord, we turn away. And so help us, Lord, even as we reflect at the end of this year, as we look back and as we are maybe reminded of the many ways in which your promises have blessed us and helped us throughout so many different situations. We thank you that we can look back and see your faithfulness to us in so many ways. The way that you have kept us, sustained us, watched over us. The way that you have provided for us. In the simplest of ways, Lord, that we so often forget, whether it's the air that we breathe, the water that we drink. The simple things in life that we see as attained by ourselves. And yet your word reminds us that every good and perfect gift is from above from the one who changes not. And so, Lord, humble us before you today, that we might walk rightly with you, that we would seek your face, that we would come, O Lord, with much to give thanks for, and that we would praise your name, that we would also come, O Lord, confessing our sin, our sin of forgetfulness, our sin of uh, turning away from you, our sin of not leaning on your word or trusting in it, and also, Lord, in the many things that go on in our lives when we are challenged, when we are finding the way tough, we thank you that we can come, O oh Lord, and cast our cares upon you and help us to do so for ourselves and for others around us, for our communities, for our nation, for our world. We thank you that you are a God who hears and answers prayer. And every one of which we have seen answered to in this past year, we give you thanks. For every prayer offered up that we wait upon, for, still wait upon, we pray for patience to wait. For every prayer that we offered up, Lord, not according to your will, but for our own selfish hearts, we ask forgiveness. And we pray, Lord, that you will be the one that guides us in the days ahead. That as we go into a new year, God willing, we would know your presence with us. We would know you going before us in all things, directing our paths helping us to walk closely with you. We pray that, Lord, for our nation as a whole. When we think of uh, our rulers and all who govern us in so many different ways, we think of our king and his family, Lord. We pray your blessing on him. We pray, Lord, for them all to come to see the light of the glory of Jesus Christ. We pray for them to come to know what it is to fully believe 
in God and the fact that you sent your Son as a Savior for this world, that they would come to believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, the one who is there for us. Lord, help them. We pray in all their own needs as well, Lord. We pray above all for their souls, O Lord, that you will bless them richly, that you will bring them to know and to rule according to your word and to your truth. We pray that also for our governments, for Westminster, for Holyrood, for Prime Minister and First Minister. Lord, again, that their hearts will be turned to you, that they would come to know the glory of God, that they would come to know the wonder of your grace and the power of your word, the power of prayer, and that righteousness exalts a nation. We pray, Lord, for the year ahead to be seeing your glory in our land, to be seeing your power at work, to be seeing people turn to you in, in great numbers and people coming to know and believe in the Lord Jesus. Uh, we pray these things so often, Lord, maybe just asking as a token gesture, not really believing it's possible, but we thank you that your word reminds us of how quickly you can turn a people, turn a nation, turn a world to yourself. And we pray, Lord, that you will come in your power, that you will hear your praying people throughout the world today, far and wide, that you will look down upon us, that you will remember those in, in need in all corners of the earth, the persecuted church, those who suffer for your name, those who are suffering in the midst of conflict and wars just now, those who who suffer in so many different ways through uh, rulers oppressing, oppressing a people, uh, keeping things for themselves when a people are in need. We, O oh Lord, pray for mercy and your goodness to be poured out upon us. We thank you, Lord, that you remember us, that you know us in every need that we have, that you know our names, that you know us in all our personal needs, our innermost thoughts. And we come, O oh Lord, pleading with you to remember our people here, to remember our homes and our families and our communities at this time. Remember those in sorrow and sadness. Remember those who are anxious over loved ones. Remember those who are unwell in whatever situation that may be, physically or mentally or spiritually. O oh Lord, we know that the battles in this world are so many and so varied. But we thank you that we have a God who is able, a God who is able to help and do abundantly more than all that we ask or imagine. And so we pray, Lord, to draw near to us and to help us to draw near to you, that every day of a year to come, every week, every hour, every second even, that we would live for the Lord, that we would seek to trust in you and to walk closely with you. Lord, bless us, we pray, from our youngest to our oldest, that you would be with us in all that we seek to do in your name, in families and communities and all our island communities here, Lord. We pray for your goodness and mercy to be with us, to pour out your Spirit upon us, to revive us as a people and to do us good. Lord, help us, we pray, and all we ask, we ask knowing our own frailties and weakness, but thankful, Lord, for your goodness towards us, your strength, your grace that is always sufficient. And we pray, pleading in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the name above every name, 
the name before whom we must all come and give an account on that day of judgment. And we pray, Lord, help us to be prepared for that day, to be ready for it, to be trusting in you, recognizing that there will be no injury time when it comes to that. There will be no second chances. There will be no time to make amends when the Lord comes. Our day is now, our time is now. And we pray, Lord, that you will help us in this day to hear your voice speaking to us. Give us ears to hear then and go with us, we pray, pardoning all our sin as we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing again to God's praise before we turn back to look at the passage in Micah and Psalm 39. Psalm 39 was sing from verse 7, page 258 of the psalm book. Psalm 39 at verse 7. And now, O Lord, what wait I for? My hope is fixed on thee. Free me from all my trespasses, the fool's scorn make not me. We'll sing from verse 7 to 13, and the tune is Weatherby.
Let's turn back to our reading in Micah chapter 6. We can read again at verse 8. We're going to look really at verse 1 through to verse 8. Micah 6 at verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. To do justice and to love steadfast love, you could say there, and to walk humbly with your God. As we think of coming to the end of a year, as we've thought about our time in that sense of the year gone past and what we've done with our time, has it been a year that we have been walking humbly with the Lord? Or is it something that we have to reflect on and think about how we could be better in that sense of walking humbly with the Lord? Have we lost our focus from him? As we look at the book of Micah, it's a book that's full of this challenge, both in the sense of, yes, in many ways things are going well, the people are getting on okay, but they're losing sight of God, and that always has consequences. And Micah comes to it, to them with a word, with a rebuke, with a challenge and to walk humbly with your God. You imagine going into your workplace and you're going in expecting that your boss will give you the jobs for that day, but instead they say to you, I'm sure you've got enough to catch up on yourself. I know you've just been on holiday, you're coming back after your Christmas a New Year break, but you've probably got things that you would like to do yourself, things you want to get back on top of. So just take the day to yourself. You're probably thinking, well, my job must be at risk or something. There's something just not right here. Maybe he's not going, not going to get paid for this day's work. So you ask that question, what about my pay? And they say, don't worry, you'll still get paid, but just go and, and do your own thing. I'm sure you'll be surprised if any boss would say that to you, because you go to work expecting to do a job. Likewise, you wouldn't go into work and just say to your boss, look, I can't do the work that you're paying me for today. I've got so many things I've got to do for myself. I'm going to go and do that, but you're going to still pay me my wage at the end of the week. You wouldn't go in doing that, because if you did, you would probably expect to be sacked. But what is our relationship with God like in this way? How are we living with God? Do we treat God with a selfish kind of attitude? Where we come to God and say to him, I'm going to do my own thing, I'm going to live as I want, but at the end of the day you're going to give me the goodness of your heart. You're going to give me all the good things that you promise in your word, but I'm still going to just go and do my own thing. That is how we so often end up living. We want to do our own thing, and we want to do it in our way, but we want the blessings of God too. And as you look through Micah, that's the very situation you find. They were doing anything they wanted to please themselves, but still expecting to God, God to be on demand as well. When he was needed, they'd call, and they would expect him to give them exactly 
what they wanted. And that's why God sent Micah. He sent Micah to them to show them the error of their ways, to show them where they were going wrong, how they're turning away from God uh, and expecting just God to do as they wanted, when they wanted. This was going to have consequences. Consequences that without their way being changed would lead them down a path that was not good. The relationship with God was breaking up. The steadfast love that they had enjoyed from God so much and that the goodness of God as we read through here of what he'd done for them, they were forgetting and just turning away from. When you see the setting of Micah and the kind of situation he's writing into, you begin to realize how similar it is to our own day. You read through Micah and you see Turning away from God leads us to turn to other things, to pleasing ourselves, to getting our own gain. And there's probably four different ways that you could see it when you read through Micah. You read in chapter 3, verse 11, something that was happening. There was bribery. There was bribery going on. In verse 11 of chapter 3, its heads give judgment for a bribe. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets practice divination for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. It's this situation of bribery going on. Just you tell us what will please us and we'll give you money for it. But if God is not happy, you can bring God into it and give him a token gesture so that he will bless us. And isn't that how our nation seems to operate so much now? We bring God in just for the essentials from time to time. But we want to continue and live our lives in our own way. Turning away from God's word, rejecting God's word. But in the midst of disaster, we'll come and say, oh, but God help us. It doesn't work. You see, there was violence in Micah's day as well. Micah chapter 2, verse 8. But, but lately my people have risen up as an enemy. You strip the rich robe from those who pass by trustingly with no thought of war. There was this violence going on for self-gain. Again, you look at our world today. Such a similar situation. Corruption was there as well, similar to bribery, but slightly different. Micah 6, verse 11, which we read, Shall I acquit a man with wicked scales and with a bag of deceitful weights? Corruption going on. And you see, too, in chapter 7, there's a sense of community breakdown, too. In verse 5 and 6 of chapter 7, put no trust in a neighbor, have no confidence in a friend, guard the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your arms. For the son treats the father with contempt, the daughter rises up against her mother. There's community and family breakdown to the fore here as well. Again, it's the same kinds of things that we see in our own society today. All these things are so prominent in our life. And what is behind it all, we, we fail to acknowledge, we fail to look at, is abandoning God and turning our back on God. 
There are consequences to doing that. In Micah's day and in our own day. And yet God still comes in. God still speaks to a nation here and to a nation ourselves, to a people ourselves. And he calls his people to repentance. What is, remains constant throughout Micah's day and our day and every generation is the need of repentance and the offer of salvation from the Lord. In Micah chapter 7, verse 18, you read there, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever, but he delights in steadfast love. He delights in his covenant love, in his faithfulness towards his people. And that is what Micah is calling us to in this section. Just as the Lord loves steadfast love, so in verse 8 we are being called to God. He has told us what is good, what he requires of you, to do justice, to love steadfast love, and to walk humbly with your God. It is there before us. And the question is, what are we doing with it? Somebody once put it like this, the same old story, which is what we see and look at here, the same old story of all that is wrong with our world, he said it needs the same old story. The same old story needs the same old story. The same old story of corruption and bribery, turning away from God, needs the same old story of the steadfast love of God. It needs the gospel. And that is what we all need as we come to the end of a year, go into a new year, God willing. The gospel, the goodness of God with us and to walk humbly with our God. And there's three things that we learn here of what we need to walk humbly with God. And the first is this, we see it in verse 1 and 2. Hear the Lord. Hear the Lord. If we're not listening to God, if we're not hearing God, it is impossible to walk humbly with God. Because if we're not listening to God, we're listening to ourselves or to the, everything else that this world will throw our way. And we're turning away from God. And so Micah's role, if you like, as a prophet was to bring the word of God. That the people would hear and listen to the word of God. There were these false prophets who were coming. They were taking a bribe. They'd tell the people whatever they wanted to hear. Not what God was saying to them, but whatever they wanted to hear. Just carry on as you are. Do as you please. Do what you want. But God will still be there for you. But Micah, he comes with the truth. In verse 1 and verse 2, you see it says, Hear what the Lord says. Hear what the Lord says. Hear you mountains, the indictment of the Lord. God is speaking, and he is speaking powerfully here to the people, and they need to listen. And how much <clears throat> has the Lord been speaking to us? All through our days, all our lives, all our years, all our weeks, all our months, 
All our hours, every second of the day, God is speaking to us. Through everything that goes on in our own lives, the lives around us, the world around us, God is speaking. And yet what had happened to the people in Micah's day is the same as is happening to ourselves today. People are growing tired of listening to God. They are growing tired of hearing what God is saying. And they are turning away. And Micah is saying, there are consequences if you do. What you need to do is hear what he is saying to you. Have you ever had someone who's always got advice to offer? It doesn't matter what you're doing. It might be just a little job around the house. You might be working with this person. But they've always got a bit of advice to give as to how it should be done. Or to do it like this instead of like that. And if this is going on all the time, you can become tired of hearing it. You become frustrated with hearing it. You don't want to hear it anymore. And yet when we're hearing God speaking to us, it's so often the way we can be. God, why do you keep saying that I'm a sinner? God, why do you keep telling me that I need to repent and turn and live my life in a particular way? Can I not do it my own way? And it tires us, it wearies us. It's a recurring problem throughout the scriptures. From the Old into the New Testament, you find a people who become weary with God. Although he's offering his steadfast love, his salvation, his redemption, people just reject it and turn away from it. We'll do it our way. We'll go our own path. We'll walk our own way. Not humbly before God, but proudly before others. We'll show them how it's done. But it will not end well. And so the word of God is telling us to listen, to hear what he is saying, not to tire of it, but to love it, to love the fact that God speaks, to love the fact that God longs for goodness for his people, to love the fact that we have a great story to hear, not to tire of it. There was a a woman called Catherine Hankey, And she was born in London in 1834, and born into a very wealthy family, but she came to love the Lord and serve the Lord from her young age. She was very young when she became a Christian, and she had a real love for God and a love for sharing his word with others. And when she was just a teenager, she began a Bible class for girls in her neighborhood, In her late teens, she began organizing Sunday schools around different parts of London for girls in their late teens as well. And she used to love just serving the Lord. She used to publish poems and tracts to share with others. She was always busy with the Lord. But then when she was in her 30s, she became seriously ill. And she was ill for quite a long period of time. And she realized during that time that in all the busyness of what she'd been doing, she had become in a danger of of forgetting the gospel, forgetting to listen to God. And she wrote a poem, and it's called, Tell Me the, the Same Old Story. And it goes like this. 
Tell me the story slowly, that I may take it in. The wonderful redemption, God's remedy for sin. Tell me the story often, for I forget so soon. The early dew of morning has passed away at noon. That was one of the verses in it. She longed just to hear the story, the same old story. Tell it to me often, for I forget so soon. And it's so important that we listen to what the Lord is saying to us. Tell me the story often. Let us love hearing the gospel, the good news of God through Jesus Christ to us. We are to listen to the Lord. Why is that so important? Well, the second thing we see here is because we have to give answer to the Lord. The day is coming when we have to give answer to the Lord. We have to give answers, we see in verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? A day is coming when we will have to appear before God. And what are we going to bring before God on that day? How am I going to bow myself before God on high? Do you realize the significance of this? Yes, we can not listen to God just now. We can turn away from God just now. But the day is coming when you must come face to face with God. And what will you bring before the Lord on that day? You might watch television and see these programs they have now when they have a judge uh, Judge Judy or Judge Rinder of one of these programs and it's all televised so people can see what's going on in people's lives and a person will come making a case against somebody else presenting the evidence and this is almost like a court case we're having here in verse 6 in verse 6 and 7 what we see here is God well saying what evidence do you have against me you go back to verse 3 and it says there, O oh my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me. What have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me. And when you see God put across his case there, in verse 4 and, and verse 5, for I brought you up out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery and I sent before you Moses and Aaron and Miriam oh my people remember what Balak king of Moab devised and so it goes on and then in the end of verse 5 that you may know the saving acts of the Lord this is God's case what have I done to weary you? I've brought you out of Egypt. I've brought you out of slavery. I've brought you redemption. I've brought you all of this. How have I wearied you? Answer me. God is a God of covenant, a God of faithfulness, a God of steadfast love, and he shows it again and again and again. And he says, how can this be wearisome to you? And what is our case 
that we are going to make against that? How are we going to answer? Is there anything that we could bring against God to justify and say, look, Lord, you did this wrong. Look, Lord, this would have been better in my life when God knows best for us all the time. The word of God is so clear to us. If you think of it, when you go to a workplace and you have a contract, it makes clear everything for you, but you don't always read all the fine details until something goes wrong and they say, well, if you read the small print, you'll see it's there. And even when we think of the hard things in our life, the troubles that come our way, the trials that are there, can we say, but Lord, you didn't tell me. No, because it's there before us. And it's not in small print. It's in bold. It's clear to us. God makes clear to us there will always be challenges. There are consequences to sin. Death has come in. Pain and misery and suffering. It's all there. It's clear to us so that there is nothing that we can say to God, you didn't tell me. When it comes to that day of judgment, we can't come and say, Lord, you didn't tell me my life would be like that. My life would be this hard. The Lord has told us. In this world, you will have many troubles. It's there before us. But he also says, but be of good courage. For I have overcome the world. There is always that promise that God will be with us. So that when we appear before the judgment seat, with what shall we come before the Lord? How will we bow ourselves before God on high? What answer will we give? There is no avoiding this. There is no hiding from him. The message from Micah to his people then is the same as for ourselves today. How are we living with God? Are we walking humbly with him? Are we bowing ourselves before him in all our need? How will we answer God? Well, the final thing we see is as we come into the verse 8, he gives us the answer. We cannot come, uh, in verse 7, with thousands of rams or ten thousands of rivers of oil. We cannot come with any of these things. So what can we come with? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love steadfast love, and to walk humbly with your God? He is telling us, what to do. He is giving us the answer. In the same way as he reminds the people of all that he's brought them through from the land of Egypt, redeeming them from the house of slavery, sending Moses and Aaron and Miriam before them. We look at our lives and what has God done for us? He has bought us out of the bondage of sin. He has redeemed us through his Son, Christ Jesus. He has given us his Spirit to guide us and to help us along the way. Has he wearied us with these things? Are we tired of hearing of the goodness of God? Or do we need to hear it again and again? Tell me 
the same old story of the God of steadfast love, of the God of faithfulness to his people. When we think of the world in which we live in and the way we have turned away from the word of God, are we surprised at where we're at when there's consequences outlined for us? Charles Swindle, he's got a book called Living Above the Level of Mediocrity. And listen to what he says in this. Imagine, if you will, that you work for a company whose president found it necessary to travel out of the country and to spend an extended period of time abroad. So he says to you and to the other trusted employees, look, I'm going to leave. And while I'm gone, I want you to pay close attention to the business. You manage things while I'm away. I will write to you regularly And when I do, I will instruct you in what you should do from now until I return from this trip. And everyone agrees to this. So the the president leaves and he stays gone for a couple of years. During that time, he writes often, communicating his desires and concerns. Finally, he returns. He walks up to the front door of the company and immediately discovers everything is in a mess. Weeds flourishing in flower beds, windows broken across the front of the building, the person at the front desk sleeping, loud music roaring from several offices, two or three people engaged in horseplay in the back room. Instead of making a profit, the business has suffered a great loss. Without hesitation, he calls everyone together and with a frown asks, What happened? Didn't you get my letters? And you say, oh yeah, we got all your letters. We've even bound them in a book. And some of us have memorized them. In fact, we have a letter study every Sunday. You know, those were really great letters. I think the president would then ask, but what did you do about my instructions? And no doubt the employees would respond, do? Well, nothing. But we read every one. What's he getting at there? He's getting at the fact that yes, we may see God has gone away for a time. But he is coming again. And in the meantime, he has spoken to us through his word, which we have bound in a book before us, which we hear every Sunday, which we maybe memorize great parts of it. But the question is, what have we done with it? Have we listened to what God is saying? Do we hear what God the Lord is saying to us? He calls us here to hear because we are to appear before God. And God will say to us, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me. What answer do you give? Do you have anything that you come before God and say, you got that wrong? 
There's no answer before God in that way. The only answer is to listen and to see that all we are to do, all we are required of us is before us in this word to do justice, to love steadfast love, and to walk humbly with your God. How do we do that? We look to God. We trust in his faithfulness, his steadfast love, his covenant love that we see before us fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And we seek to walk humbly, putting our trust in him, turning away from our sin, repenting of our sin, and looking to and trusting in him. It's no use having the word beautifully bound before us, memorizing it, and doing nothing with it. We are to hear and do as the word commands. So as we come to the end of a year, as we look to a new year, God willing, we seek to do these things, to do justice, to love his steadfast love, and to walk humbly with our God. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us through your word, that you are speaking to us today as you have ever been. For we live in the same days as Micah when we see so many of the problems and troubles of his day are so common to our own. And we are turning away from you in the same way. But we thank you that you speak, that you call us to yourself and help us to hear what you are saying and to do justice, to love kindness, and to seek to walk humbly with our God. Lord, teach us in these things we ask, and we ask it with forgiveness for our sin. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to conclude by singing to God's praise in Psalm 138, in the Sing Psalms version, Psalm 138, page 179. We'll sing verse 1 to 3. I'll praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I'll sing your praise. I'll bow towards your holy place and bless your holy name always. We'll sing from verse 1 to 3, and the tune is Warrington.
After the benediction, I'll go to the door to my right. We'll close with the benediction. Now may grace, mercy, and peace from God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon and abide with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.